0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Robert alongside my co-host, Stephen Kerr, with your World Series postgame show. And Stephen, I just didn't see the wheels coming off the bus this quickly in the series or really at all. But you got to give the Washington Nationals credit. I mean, we could get into all the Astros problems but i i think the focus on all astros fans i'm sure is just boy the astros stink but man the nationals they're the hottest team i've seen in any postseason that i can remember i mean they, they just look unstoppable right now
1: well speaking of buses i was trying to see if we could get the name and license plate number of the bus that's hit the astros in this series my goodness and i i got a text from my friend a little while ago a friend of mine that's an astros fan he says this game is horrible. I didn't know the, the Nationals were that good. Well, I think after Game Two, the whole nation knows the Nationals really are that good, and and they have been throughout this entire postseason. You know, Robert, sometimes a team just peaks at the right time, and that's what a lot of it is, especially with a wild card team like the Nationals, who started out what were they, 19 and 31 after 50 games. Nobody even gave them a chance, except. You and RG, apparently, we talked about that the other night. But they have just peaked at the right time. They've won seven in a row coming into Game 2 of the World Series. That's about as hot as you can get.
0: Yeah, and, uh, there was a a few people that pointed out before the series started that, you know, the Nationals started off the season real bad. But since then, since I think it's maybe late May, they've been on the same pace the Astros have been. I mean, this is not a total surprise if you've been following what the nationals have been doing the last few months and not just, you know, with their pitching, but they're, they're hitting as well. And timely hitting, it, it was all the timely hitting we saw in 2017 with the Astros. And and that's why going in, I, I it, it, that's why going into this series, you know, I sort of said it tongue in cheek in the preview that, you know, I was picking the nationals, but that was my fear. And that's why I pointed out, i said, look, you know, the Astros continue. I mean, we we beat this dead horse, but they continue not to knock anybody in with runners in scoring position. The trend continued. Uh, you and I are talking before the game is even over with. And it's, you know, they're 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Uh, and and if you, you know, you look at what the Nationals have done in this postseason, it's, it's oppo world. They're doing it. Over and over again, the Astros can't.
1: Well, I believe coming into Game Two, the Nationals were something like eighty-four and thirty since that nineteen and thirty-one start, something like that. I mean, that's crazy. But I'll tell you what, Robert. It, it, to me, and and I know this sounds like a cop out and an excuse and the things that, and I'm not meaning it the way. It's just my observation. I just think the Astros are a tired team right now. They they haven't played their best ball really. Throughout this entire postseason, they, they've come through in big moments, had some clutch moments when they really needed it. But those chances really come few and far between. You, you've got to take advantage of the chances that you're given. And just to be honest, that seventh inning, the cave-in in the seventh inning, it just looks like a team that completely lost their focus and is just tired. And we've talked a lot about how the Nationals had six days rest and how that might hurt them gosh, it it looks to me like it only refreshed them even more because they just look like the team that is more relaxed, more composed, and refreshed.
0: Yeah, all those runs they scored in the seventh inning, you would think, well, the Astros, boy, you know, let's look at the uh, play-by-play chart and see the Astros just got crushed single, double, triple. No, no, no. It was a home run, yeah. And then there was a walk and another walk and a bunt out and a fly out and an intentional walk, which was the Astros' first one of the season. And then there was a single with an 83-mile-per-hour exit velo, a single with a 76-mile-per-hour exit velo. FYI, the first one Bregman should have had, obviously. Then there was the single with a 63-mile-per-hour exit velo. So, I mean, it it wasn't like they just took the doors off. And that's a team that's – things are going right. And the Astros are a team that things aren't going right. And, you know, it was, the point was made on, on Twitter and in the news and by everybody in the media that, Hey, Alex Bregman, uh, he slept, you know, he slept with his bat last night. And of course he gets the two run home run. We think, Oh, maybe the things are going to change for Alex Bregman. He's finally got it going. But Steven, he probably should have slept with his glove because that play in the seventh was terrible.
1: <laughs> Maybe he needs to sleep with both. I hope he has a big bed. Maybe he just needs to sleep with his uh, all of his equipment. just Sleep with his uniform on or something. I don't know. Yeah, just think, uh, you know, b- but the game isn't quite over while we're recording this. But if it weren't for his two-run homer, the Astros would have zero. And yet it's it's that defensive play that you were just talking about. It's kind of what I was referring to is it's, you know, that's normally, it is kind of a difficult play, but it's a a play that Bregman should have made. And just, it's the kind of collapse that we're not used to seeing for the Astros at all. Their defense has been stellar. I mean, if there's one thing that has been consistent up until game two for the Astros, it's been their defense. One great play after another, Correa, Brantley, Reddick. you know, Gurriel's done, made some great plays at first base. So, Tonight has just been a total anomaly, but I don't know again, I just don't think all in all that the Astros have really played the kind of ball that they're capable of playing or that they were capable of playing during the season. one of the things we missed in the post game in game one, and
0: you know I just totally missed this entire deal. I did notice when George Springer you know hits the double that knocks in Tucker that yeah, he did make a motion initially that you know, like he was sort of celebrating a home run. What I didn't see was him jumping up and down between home and first. And I didn't even think about the fact that, yeah, he should have been on third base Springer in the post game said, Oh, I I never could have gotten there because I would have had held up for Kyle Tucker. Well, how does Kyle Tucker get from second to home plate, (laughs) you know, on, on a ball that he would have basically been tagging for, you know, you've got to be at third base because yeah, by the time the, the ball gets to the outfielder, Springer should have been on first and maybe halfway to second base at that point. But really, the point I'm making in this, Steven, I, I don't want to toast Springer because he had a great game in game one. Springer typically always hustling, always d- doing the right thing. But that play uh, kind of reminds me of the difference in this series because you got Adam Eaton racing around the bases, late in game two after a home run. Like, you know, he's just trying to do his business and do his work and get out of there First, George Springer jumping up and down uh, to first on a double that should have been a triple. You know, that reminds me of a team that is trying to earn it in Washington. And remember the whole earn it thing with the Astros in 2017? They don't look like they're trying to earn it.
1: Yeah, it's funny how roles reverse. And it kind of goes back to what I said is the, the Nationals, they just they look relaxed. I mean, they, they have nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them. The Astros are the team that has the pressure. And what a turnaround that is. In 2017, it was the other way around. The Astros weren't expected to win the World Series. Yeah, they they had a, a great record in the regular season. But I think a lot of people really felt the Dodgers were the better team. But the Astros were playing like the team that they had nothing to lose. And, you know, Allison Footer came out with an article on MLB.com with that very thing talking about Springer. Was it a a lack of hustle, basically, is how she put it. I don't know that it was a lack of hustle. I think it was just a a lack of focus on Springer's part that at first he may have thought that it was out because it looked like it might be, but then it wasn't. And he spent too much time celebrating what he thought was a home run. I don't know that you can really accuse the Springer just not hustling. I think it was just a total misjudgment on his part. And certainly could have cost them a run. They lost five to four.
0: And Steven, maybe he thought it was a home run because during the regular season, it would have been a home run.
1: Yeah. Can you say juiced balls? Not (laughs) in this whole postseason. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Bregman, you know, just a note on him. He's got eight postseason home runs after the one in game two. All of them off all stars. Stroudsburg, Blake Snell, twice off Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, I mean, if you're an Astro fan, you remember all these. Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer. So when he hits a home run, the pitcher's usually good. I mean, I guess if you want to throw out a positive, that that was good. You know, Altuve, I was going to bring this up. I mean, it's a blowout uh, late in the game as you and I are speaking right now. It's 12-2. to two, But Altuve, early in the game, I thought this was going to be a crucial play. He has that feet-first slide when he was trying to steal third base. You know, and then they get the home run. You think, well, that, that should have been a three-run home run. Everybody always, you know, the, the, the Astro fan is always the first one to say, oh, we could have had this or you could have done that or whatever. And baseball, just because one thing happens, it doesn't mean another thing's going to happen. And Straussburg and Scherzer, you know, they pitch differently depending on the situation. These guys are incredible pitchers. You know, on the slide itself, I, I was going to point out, he went in feet first. And I I know there's a theory that, you know, it doesn't matter if you go in feet first or head first. I've never been much for that theory. I I do think you can get there faster. But the biggest thing about going in there head first is you can kind of backdoor on the slide. And and if he had done that, I think he would have been in there on that play because um, he could have snuck around the tag. But, I mean, it's kind of meaningless. But, you know, it's typified how things have gone for the Astros in this series, and and really in the postseason, in a lot of ways. I mean, they did win the first two series, but you know it, it was by the skin of their teeth. It seemed both times.
1: Well, and and I didn't have a problem with the fact that Altuve went. I think you had to create some kind of momentum and and try to get a jump on him early, because quite frankly, I was more concerned with Strasburg's pitching than Scherzer. I mean, they're both neck and neck, but. I, I was even more worried about uh, Strasburg and that we needed to get all the runs you could get from him. So I didn't have a problem with Altuve going. It just didn't work out. And obviously, as you said, it, with the cave-in in the seventh inning, it really didn't mean that much. Now, if the game had stayed 2-2, it might have. But And and by the way, can we get off the questions about Jose Altuve and his height? I, I mean, I know the, this this doesn't come from... Houston media or, you know, uh, reporters that cover the Astros. This is obviously from a national reporter. But, you know, on the media day, I believe it was Steven Strasburg that a reporter asked the question. It was obviously a national reporter that doesn't watch the Astros very much. But he asked Steven Strasburg during the media day if he was amazed at how great Altuve is, especially considering his stature. I mean, come on, really? Can we get off the Altuve height thing? He's been in the World Series before. He's been an AL MVP. He's been in the league long enough that this shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. The guy's a great player. Period.
0: Yeah, I take that as a personal affront as somebody that's a little bit vertically challenged myself. Although still still taller than Altuve, I'll, I'll point out. But <laughs> I've stood next to Altuve. I am taller than him, so uh, there you go. But. Uh yeah, I mean I, I I guess I wish I could just ignore all this stuff cuz I know that when the national media gets involved in a Houston team, Houston hates the national media. I mean, you know, it's it's basically if you follow social media, it's it's all you see. It was trashing Joe Buck and John Smoltz hates the Astros and I guess, I mean, John Smoltz hates the Astros cuz he used to beat on them all the time. It's it doesn't he shouldn't have a grudge.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure he doesn't, I, I think. And, and normally, honestly, I don't go off on that myself too much, but I, I just get tired of things that it just its like, is it because you didn't have any other question to ask and you want to make yourself look, look good. So you ask something, it's just, it's like, and it was to Steven Strasburg and it was to an opponent. So I don't even know why that's there. But anyway, obviously a minor point considering what has happened, the Astros are going to be down two games to none And only three teams have ever come back from a 2-0 deficit since the 2-3-2 format was introduced in the World Series. And the last one was the 96 Yankees. So, you know, while it's not impossible and the Astros have have done the impossible before, my goodness, they've dug themselves a big hole as they now go to Washington for what, if the series goes long enough, the next three games are going to be in D.C.,
0: if you want to go back to another team that um, did this uh, coming back from '02 2 in a World Series, you can go back to the 86 Mets, and Astros fans remember the 86 Mets. You remember that,
1: right? Yes, <laughs> indeed. If it weren't for the Astros, the, the Mets may not have been in that World Series if Mike Scott had been able to pitch that, that final game.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the rest of this series, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on maybe something that you see that – The Astros could do differently besides getting a hit with a runner in scoring position, but I I will make a couple of points. Uh, Number one, I would like to see Josh Reddick sit on the bench from this point forward. I think Kyle Tucker deserves a shot. I I have a feeling that Kyle Tucker, uh, as I watch him, maybe has a better shot of, you know, getting a significant hit as far as, you know what I mean, a double, a home run, you know, something that's, a, a little bit more impactful, but if if I were the Astros, you know the way Jordan has picked it up in the first two games of the World Series, he plays left field and Blant, Brantley play, plays right.
1: Yeah, I could see that scenario coming. And one another reason I like Tucker being in there is just because if he does get on base, he's become such a smart base runner, uh, and and he's and he's faster than a lot of people give him credit for. You know, you, when you think of speed, you think of Marisnik, you think of Straw. Well, Tucker may not be as fast as them per se, but he's fast enough. And it's not just about how fast you are on the bases. It's how smart you are. So I think having Tucker in there, not just for the fact that maybe he can get a hit, he's made some good contact, but just getting on base. Even if he drew a walk, if he could be patient enough just to draw a walk and get on base. I, I just think that really the Astros need to do more of what they tried to do in the first inning of game two is just trying to manufacture a little bit more. You know, Suzuki, typically, he's only thrown out about 10% of the runners. I mean, he got Altuve, as we mentioned on the slide, but for the most part, he's not a great throwing catcher now. He's great blocking behind the plate. But if there's one thing that I think the Astros probably just need to be a little more aggressive when they can get those runners on base, because trying to get the hits to get them around is obviously a big issue, and... Maybe the small ball thing needs to be a little more prevalent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Soto has got the lead right now for Washington Nationals MVP, but the guy that has just blown me away, and, and I, I haven't seen a ton of this guy. I mean, nobody's seen Soto much, obviously. He's a rookie, but, I mean, Suzuki is just ridiculous behind home plate, some of what he's done. And and, and and he's done it offensively now, too. So, I mean... You know, t- t- for him, for me, that guy, he's my MVP. I mean, he's, he saved run after run. I don't even know how he gets, you know, these are tough breaking pitches. They're balls that are
1: bouncing up there like Little League-type balls, and he's getting them. Well, especially with Scherzer's, it'd probably take him out for a steak dinner because I lost track of how many balls that he bounced in the dirt in game one that Suzuki had to really do- – I think a lot of it, Robert, is – his instincts are just so good because some of those pitches, they really should have gone to the backstop. But he has a way of lowering his body to just block the ball. It's like he knows where the ball is going to bounce before it bounces there. That That's really what's surprising to me. But, yeah, from a defensive standpoint, blocking behind the plate, Suzuki has, has been a, a defensive MVP for the Nationals, especially in Game 1. But then that homer in Game 2, wow, took a... Fernlander fastball and just deposited it out in left field. I kind of pointed out that, that we could have seen the last
0: game of Garrett Cole uh, starting in an Astros uniform, but I, I guess if it gets to game four and you're down 0-3, they they start Garrett Cole. But I mean, really, I mean, I don't know if that helps you much. I think you know, I, I just I'm like, uh, if you're down 0-3 and you're starting Garrett Cole in game four. I mean, I don't know that, it, it, that, 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 that means nothing to me.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it, I guess you could have the saying of, you'd rather go home losing with your best than go home losing with say a bullpen game, a peacock for an inning or two or Keaty for four or five. And
0: well, you just said it though. Garrett Cole looks like maybe like some of the Astros, he could, I, he could be tired. And, and you said guys being tired. I, I, I don't see it as much. And the regular players, I can't imagine the regular guys are that tired because, you know, the way A.J. Hinch has used them all season, he rests guys a ton. So many of the, the Astros' stars have been out with injury for, you know, weeks or months, so those guys should be well-rested. Obviously, Correa, you know, he he should be very well-rested. He's playing like he's tired because he's striking out half the time. But, you know, I I, I don't know – what else you should do because with Correa, like I said, just the fact that he's out there and helping you defensively is the big thing. And I didn't expect much else beyond that from him. And I was fine with not, not, not much beyond that. It would be nice, though, if he at least he put the ball in place some.
1: Yeah, well, I think mostly it's the pitchers that you could say. Verlander and Cole have thrown a lot of pitches. And, you know, they've thrown well enough that the offense really hasn't had to be at their best during the season. But when it comes time for the bats to bail them out, It just hasn't happened in this series, and they have definitely thrown a lot of pitches. And as far as, well, as far as Correa is concerned, I just just think he's out of rhythm. Yeah, he's shown some flashes, but as far as being at the plate, he just looks a bit out of rhythm. You know, Bregman is the one, I think, that really probably needs to learn from next season on to start taking more time off. He's the one that you, you practically had to drag him out of the lineup during the season. He just refuses to take a day off. I don't know that that's really about all of his struggles, but one of the reasons I think the Astros are just tired is that, you know, they they only had one day of rest between the ALDS and the Yankee Series, and they had the, the big high with the champagne celebration. Then you've got to refocus. You only have one day to do that. They laid an egg in game one, and then they only have two days rest between the Yankee Series and the World Series, and, you know, they they showed up for the most part in game 1 but i i don't know like i said they they, they probably sound like we're just trying to grab at something here but they just look at, like a team right now that is out of focus and the nationals are the team that look refreshed and just they're ready to earn this thing
0: yeah the nationals had the wild card game too but they also just kind of cruised uh through the cardinal series and and they got a ton of rest and you know there there is something to what you say absolutely and it's crazy to think, but Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander back to back losses for the first time since two thousand August of two thousand and eighteen. So it's been over a year since that's happened. Just really crazy stuff. Let's get off the Astros for just a second because the Rockets uh actually open the season tomorrow night against the reigning MVP, the Greek freak, and you know, I don't I don't know what your level of excitement is to see Russell Westbrook finally don a Rockets uniform and the Russell Westbrook and James Harden experiment to, to begin. But, you know, we're looking at the NBA season. One thing that I will point out, you know, this thing can, things can fall apart in a hurry when you think you've got a dynasty. So yeah, it looks like the Astros, they've got all these guys and it could go on for years, but if Garrett Cole leaves, if Justin Verlander starts to drop off, what you don't know, what's going to happen. I'm not suggesting this because baseball it's harder for, you know, to have this big fall off if you got, you know, a bunch of star players like the Astros have. But look at the Golden State Warriors. It looked like, hey, this team was set up for years to come. And, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, he's out for all of this year. Clay Thompson is likely out for all of this year. And now the Golden State Warriors could very well not make the playoffs. In fact, I'm just going to say it, Stephen. I think your uh, namesake, Steve Kerr, is not going to make the playoffs with this Golden State Warriors team because I don't think they've got what it takes defensively to do this without Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. And they also lost Iguadala, which is another underrated part of the their great defense over the last few years.
1: Yeah, that's really a lot of it. As you talk about their offensive firepower, but their defense is really what helped them just as much, you know, through those championship years. And yeah, we we know that Thompson's going to be out a while now too. So and I think that's really and and just the whole makeup of the West is different now with with all the, the different acquisitions the teams made during the offseason, including the Rockets getting Westbrook, you know, and then and all the shuffling of the deck of the West. I mean, a team who wins 55 games in the West could be the eighth seed. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, that's why I, I am a little bit excited just to get the season underway just to see what's really going to happen with all these changes that occurred during the offseason because You know, you know, you've already seen some injuries come into play that are going to affect the start of the season for some teams. And uh, the Rockets, uh, you know, I I don't know. You you can't put much stock in the preseason, but gosh, I hope their defense is better than it's looked (laughs) the last couple of preseason games, because that that's really going to be a big question. I think for me, I don't think the Rockets are going to have a big problem scoring, but what are they going to do defensively game in and game out? Everybody's uh, hyped about the Lakers. You know,
0: I I will say this about the Lakers. I I feel like they might be the most overrated team going into this season because, oh, look, they've got Anthony Davis and they've got LeBron James. Their supporting cast is really bad. Outside of Danny Green, I don't like really anybody. I mean, maybe Kuzma, if he can get healthy, he's hard to start the season. But, I mean, their supporting cast is not good – LeBron James, you know, everybody said, "Well, last year he kind of folded the tent. He was playing well before he got." Eh, eh, I don't know. I, you know, with every year, you know, it's that old. Charles Barkley always brings up the the point: age is undefeated. You know, it, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's gonna beat you eventually. And uh, I just don't like. I don't like their supporting cast. There there was one NBA. A uh, media member after the first game with the Lakers and the Clippers said, like he, he said, there, there, there wasn't a question in that Lakers Clippers opener. LeBron James was the third best player on the court. Well, that's not a big indictment And that you got Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, and they're two of the, you know, five or six or seven best players in the NBA by anybody's standard. Kawhi Leonard might be the best without Kevin Durant around this year. And, you know, if you look at what he did against Giannis last year in the playoffs, you, you might say, well, he won that battle, so he's he's the best player. But I, I I don't know. I just I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Lakers. I could see them finishing, you know, maybe fifth or sixth or you know, I, I could see that happening. And they get they get off to they always get off to this easy schedule. I'm trying to remember the reasoning, but for for whatever there was there's a reason why that the Lakers uh get off to a a, a much easier schedule than other NBA teams. But, uh, you know, when they get into that heart of the season later on, I, I don't know. I think they're, you're going to start to see a little slippage. And and don't be surprised if the Lakers are kind of back there. I mean, I think the Rockets, because besides Russell Westbrook, they've, they've had everybody c- coming back pretty much. So I think uh, that consistency is going to help them. And you look at the Clippers, and I just think Kawhi Leonard and, and, and a great supporting – the opposite of the Lakers, a great supporting cast, they're going to be up there. I really like what Utah has done, and that defense is not going to go anywhere as long as you've got Rudy Gobert that's on the floor. So, I mean, I, I just see some of these other teams uh, being able to do this on a consistent basis throughout the season. And I don't know about the Lakers. I mean, I, I just I, – I wouldn't have a whole lot of confidence in them uh, this year at all. I, I just – I don't see it.
1: Well, and that I know I've said this before on the podcast, but that's why it, it's so imperative that the Rockets get off to a good start, unlike the year before, just because of how tough it's going to be in the West. If you get too far in a hole, and the same would apply for the Lakers or really anybody else, that you get too far in a hole, it, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up if things play out the way they do. Now, let me ask you this. It wasn't so long ago that there was a lot of talk that LeBron James could come to the Rockets when he was a free agent. So now are you glad that that transition transaction didn't take place considering what's going on with him? And and now he's with the Lakers.
0: I never wanted LeBron James here. I I just, I I don't like you. I usually just don't like getting guys that in, in, in the mercenary situation. I mean, Westbrook, the, the Rockets gave up something. There was a specific reason that he was available, but LeBron When he was coming here, it looked like it would have looked like, oh, where where can I get my you know all star team and and win a championship? Like when he went to Miami or when he came back to Cleveland and he had Kyrie and then they traded for Kevin Love. You know, he he's got to have that sort of uh, all American team or whatever that he's got to play for. I mean, he he did didn't end up having that with the Lakers, but that's what it would have felt like. And I just. I don't know. I just kind of would have felt dirty winning with LeBron and being a mercenary.
1: Yeah, I get that. And and I didn't really think it would happen. I, I honestly did not expect it to happen at all. I, I just thought LeBron's ego was too big. He he wants to be in a city where everybody is paying attention to him and where he can be in near Hollywood and he can be the guy. And But I'm just wondering at this point, has LeBron gotten past the point where he can even carry a team where he can really be even the second guy on the team with his injury and the, the age. I mean, it's obvious. I think his age is definitely starting to catch up with him and the wear and tear.
0: Yeah. I mean, people, they're going to point to his offensive stats. Just keep, keep an eye on uh plus minus defense. Uh, he doesn't try as hard, but I also don't think he just has the physical capabilities. It's not necessarily trying. It's the ability to go up and down the, The court as much as because he's, you know, he's in his mid thirties now and he's played a lot of minutes, a ton of minutes. It's a it's no crime. I mean, we've seen this over and over again in the NBA that you get up to a certain minute point and you're on the court enough and and it's going to take your toll. And he's had to carry a lot of teams over the years, especially those ones in Cleveland. So, I mean, he's put a lot of wear and tear on that. But, yeah, I mean, just that's something to keep two things I'd say to keep an eye on. The Lakers not being what you would think and, and Golden State uh, not making the playoffs because, you know, Steph Curry, uh, great player. I don't think he's as good at James Harden as far as carrying a guy in a regular, carrying a team, I should say, in a regular season, you know, to wins over and over. And the physical toll that's going to take, you know, Steph's a little bit softer. Let, let's put it that way. You know, injuries pop up with him, stuff like that. He's not built to take the abuse over the course of a regular season that
1: James Harden is. All right. Well, I'm going to mark this down. This is the podcast where Robert says Golden State will not make the playoffs and the Lakers are overrated. Can't wait for the season to start now for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully uh, the Astros season can somehow continue past the weekend. But uh, the Astros lose this one 12 to 3. Martin Maldonado while you and I were talking picked up a late home run but they lose 12 to 3 fall to 2 and 20 in the World Series and we hope this isn't the 2005 World Series all over again where it's a a quick sweep hopefully the Astros can figure out a way to get back in this thing but that's all we got for the post game uh don't think we're going to be doing one on Friday night for game 3 because of uh some other scheduled stuff but uh, potentially You're going to hear us back again on Saturday night. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.